Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OsteoCast. We have a special episode for you today. It's just myself, Sarah Pucal, and Amanda Voisin here. Uh, Colby was not able to join us for our recording this week, so he will be dearly missed. But as uh, the words in osteopathy, we still have to dig on and keep going. So today, Amanda and I are going to talk about uh, pediatrics osteopathy. So all that means is we're going to talk about um, osteopathy relating to babies, that includes newborns, as well as children. And uh, when you would bring your child in for treatment, uh, we'll go through a couple uh, clinical cases as well. And we've also taken a course together in pediatrics osteopathy. So we'll shed some light on that course. Good morning. It's It's a different day today because we're recording in the morning. So feel a little bit more peppy. We're both at the office, which is often not the case. Sometimes you're at the office, but I'm always at home when we record. So feel a little bit more um, in the game, I guess, because we're, you can't see us, but we're both changed in wearing our scrubs and in the clinical mindset. So we're ready to go, ready ready for our day ahead. Exactly. Um, So when talking about pediatrics, Sarah, where at what point in time would you suggest that kids see um, a manual osteopath? Is this something that you would recommend for everybody? Um, or maybe who do you see in your practice most often? Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend every child has at least one manual osteopathic treatment. And the reason being, you want to give your child the best opportunity to grow strong and healthy. Um, and little things that we might see as the children, so maybe a little twist in the pelvis or if they do have some uh, spinal lesioning, meaning just some areas of their spine that don't move as well as they should. And it could be just from a, you know, a really hard fall as a child. There's so many other reasons. Maybe they broke a leg and they haven't been able to properly bear weight on the opposite leg or because of that pattern, their hips have changed. So getting that initial assessment is really important just to give your child the best opportunity for lack of a better word, even growth and for health. And then often if I do see a child and we do have um, some concerns or I'd like to see them again, I usually say um, when they're having their next growth spurt, So anytime there's any big changes in the body or a hard fall on the playground, anything like that, I want you to bring them in. We'll give them a little check over. And the cool thing about kids is they're so uh, pliable and malleable that you often only need one treatment, max two, and you can let them go on their way and kind of come back at a later time. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there that it's, it is important for kids to get treated, but the reality is is we're trying to set them up for success later um, and catch the things that um, catch the things before they become ingrained patterns within their bodies, because it is super easy to change. And always with osteopathy, we're assessing, um, we're assessing everything. We're treating the body as a whole. We're making sure that everything is lined up mechanically and working well, but it is individual to each patient. So you can see kids when they don't have anything necessarily going on or a major complaint, just like you can look at an adult, But for them, it is about setting them up and making sure that everything is 
um, working well so that when they do go through those growth spurts, they don't have um, lasting issues or when they do get sick or have a fall or um, scrape themselves or for lack of a better example, break a bone, their healing is already set up. So they're able to go through that and recover a little bit faster. Yeah, really well said, Amanda. That's exactly why you would bring your child in for osteopathy. And um, at least in my clinic, I often see the initial reason children are brought in is um, behavior issues is a really popular popular one. Um, a lot of kids seem to be very angry, uh, just trouble controlling their emotions. Um, and we've been getting some really good results with osteopathy with that. It's hard to tell you kind of exactly what's going on with them. Um, again, we do not diagnose as osteopath. We're more uh, functional anatomists. Uh, but in that case, it's really about if there's any tension lines that shouldn't be there. Is their spine or is their body moving as well as it should? Checking all the joints. Uh, often we'll do a little bit of cranial work. So working through the head, making sure there's no lines of fascial pulls. Again, if there is a fall, we take that into consideration. Make sure there's no uh, quote unquote whiplash or any tension through the cervical region. And I think it's important to note when we talk about those kinds of things is that this is preventative care as much as it is um, setting them up for success. So, I mean, when we've mentioned a couple of times that if someone breaks their leg, we're not the first person you're coming to see. You're going to check in with your medical doctor. You're getting cleared by them um, if there is any major concerns. um, And we kind of come in after that. So it's important to make that note as well, is that it's important to keep your family doctor within the loop and make sure that they um, know what's going on as well, because they deal with the medical side and we deal with um, the physical side or the structural side of things. Definitely. So in your practice, Amanda, when do you often see, uh, the young pediatric? So under one years old, um, when do I see them as far as like what they would be coming into my office for? Yeah, I guess how soon would you expect a new mom to bring her baby in? Um, and when they do, what's often the, the issues they're coming in for? Why would they need osteopathy treatment? Okay. So I would suggest that they bring them in as soon as they feel comfortable. Um, Given our world today with COVID, there's lots of people that are um, kind of staying away from taking newborns out into the the world right away, which is fine. Um, But birth can be traumatic. So we do want to make sure that when they go through that twisting motion of coming out of the birthing canal or whether they've had the mother's had a C-section, Um, We do want to make sure that the baby is set up and healthy. Um, If they're crying, they're eating, they're feeding, um, and they're pooping, basically their basic function is there and it's ready. But often things that I see in my clinic are more so that they can't latch. Um, They're only turning their head one way or they really aren't, they're having trouble feeding on one side over the other, um, are would say are common things. Another one that I've seen more recently too is tongue ties. Um, so looking at, um, basically the fascial poles that you were talking about already and making sure that that kind of stuff is taken care of their head and neck can move both ways. Um, and there's no restrictions through oral diaphragm, um, thoracic inlet outlet, um, making sure the diaphragm works well. So, I mean, again, we're looking at the body as a whole, but it is important to, to check them over, like you said, once when they're little, um, and then, Basically, reoccurring appointments change from there, but essentially it's at growth spurts. 
Uh, just from my professional osteopathic uh, curiosity, Amanda, what do you find uh, the primary lesion is with tongue-tied? Um, oftentimes that I find that there's um, lesioning at the OA or in through the oral diaphragm. So there's always often a restriction in that area. So making sure um, that that's taken care of, but there's also fascial patterns up into the cranium um, and down through the shoulders. And what was, what's the birthing? Is it usually uh, VBAC or C-section? If you um, know. A couple that I've seen um, have been natural births, but okay. Yeah. Have you seen something different in your practice? Uh, I haven't. No, it's, um, we haven't seen many babies lately. And I think, like you said, due to COVID, um, you know, we have to keep those babies bubble wrapped for a little bit of a while until they get their immunity built up for sure. Um, But in the past, similar to you, a lot of uh, nursing issues, whether that was latching or trouble turning their head to one side, um, even just fussy baby in general, you know, parents just bring the baby in to be like, my baby's fussy, what can we do to help? And um, in that case, usually one, max two treatments, and we let the baby kind of go on its way, and we see really good improvement. So just something to keep in mind for all those parents out there, right? Give your baby the best opportunity uh, for growth and for health. Exactly. And I think the interesting thing with kids as well is that you really have to be creative in the questions that you ask. Because especially with babies, um, obviously they can't talk, but it's also about what mom notices. So sometimes if if it's a first-time mother, um, they can tell you very much what they're noticing, um, but they don't have anything to compare it to, too. So you're often asking about feeding patterns, um, bowel movements, are things regular? Um, Like we've talked about a few times, feeding, latching. um, Do they have like that ability to suck well? Um, or can they turn their head? But when you're talking with little kids or younger kids too, you have to be creative about how you ask questions or how you ask them to do things because their comprehension and their understanding is just at a different level. Yes. That's a really good point, Amanda. And also the birthing story is very important. Just how your baby was born, both mom and baby, um, really important to keep that in mind. So if you do remember your birthing story, um, you know, as a mother delivering, I would definitely suggest you write it down because uh, we will ask you that question in the clinic. And a lot of the time people can't remember, or they're really unsure, um, but it does provide a lot of feedback for us to understand your body and your patterns, uh, especially if we're quite close to uh, when you gave birth and you're still healing from that surgery or from that event. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So do you want to give an exam- a clinical example of something that you've seen in your clinic? Uh, yes, definitely. We can give an example. Uh, so there was a uh, little boy who came in. And uh, just for discrepancy, we'll leave out kind of age range, but uh, young, uh, not in school yet. And he had trouble swinging his arm. So his one arm wouldn't swing when he walked, um, and his parents did notice that from quite a young age that he didn't like moving kind of not his whole body, but just the one arm. He kind of would let it lay limp and wouldn't let it move as well, often tended to use the other hand as much as he could. Uh, So they did bring him in, um, and this had been going on for years when they brought him in. Um, But just an example of, you know, something that's not necessarily concerning, but is also not normal for your child. They should be able to have full functional movement in both arms. 
so as Amanda said, with children, it's really just looking at lines of tension because they uh, presumably haven't had many accidents yet. You know, their stress levels should be very low. Um, there shouldn't be any really big, deep pattern set in that we would call more chronic where we would need to see you kind of on a two, three week basis for quite a while. Uh, For this guy, we just did one treatment, to be honest, um, and just looked at those fascial lines. So he did have that shoulder was being pulled in anteriorly through that fascial line. And it kind of almost almost like he broke his arm and was holding it in place, but there was never a fracture. There was never a break. So just opening up those lines and almost even showing him neurologically that he can use that hand and that those tension pulls will go away the more he uses it. So I think just feeling that pull as well stopped him from using that arm as well as he should have. Perfect. It's awesome to hear that you can take care of those things from such a young age and those lasting effects are, are longstanding, right? So that's the thing. And the longer that's, you know, would stay in his body or stays with any child, just the more progressively worse it could get. And even if it doesn't bug them until they return 40, that's still 40 years that we now have to play catch up on on those patterns that they've developed and, you know, still using that arm, even though they didn't have full range of motion or it wasn't sitting in the socket properly. So just looking at those patterns early on is really the best way to help yourself and to kind of stay out of the medical system, to be honest, right? Our whole Mm -hmm. goal is to keep you healthy and happy. And I know we've said this before in previous podcasts, but it's true that pain is often the last thing to show up and the first thing to go away, right? So it's exactly what you're talking about, which is, you know, if those patterns have been there forever, it's the pain might not come till later, um, but it's the patterns that we develop as children as young adults um, in the reoccurring um, jobs that we do are the habits that we have that really can play into pain later on um, or dysfunction as a whole. Exactly. So Amanda, what would you do if a, if a child was brought into the clinic and let's say they're, you know, between the ages of four and six and they have a really hard time kind of sitting down or they're willing to tolerate, you know, 10 minutes of treatment and then they're a bit squirmy. How do you handle that in the clinic and kind of what's your advice to parents that are worried about their squirmy child being able to lie on a table for, you know, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. So this is always an interesting conversation I have with parents because a lot of the time the kids that I see are their parents are um, patients of mine in the clinic. So they're very used to coming in, laying on the table and that being the end of story. Um, and I treat and and that's it. But with kids, treatment looks super different. Um, I have a skeleton in my clinic. So oftentimes there's a child sitting on my knee um, while I'm treating them, provided that they're, the, you know, depending on their size, their age, um, generally under the age of, of four. Um, they're, so they're sitting on my knee and we're looking at the skeleton and we're pointing things out that we notice. Um, or there's a toy sitting in front of them or, and we utilize that, um, that toy to create the patterns that we're looking for. So if they're sitting on my knee or they're sitting on the table, I might put the toy off to the right. So they constantly have to be reaching to the right if I'm looking to get them to do um, a certain motion. Um, and in a very extreme case, there might be um, a video playing if there is a really big issue trying to get that that child to to sit. 
But for the most part, treatment isn't on the table. Sometimes it's on the floor where they're comfortable. Um, but I think part of it too is getting the child to come in and feel comfortable in your office. So the first couple of treatments, you are kind of training those children to do that. Or often I'll ask the parent to bring the child into one of their treatments. So they have an idea of what treatment looks like. Um, and they're comfortable here. They've met me prior to me picking them up or holding onto them um, or giving them treatment. Um, but oftentimes too, when I'm doing their intake, the kid is allowed to just walk around the office um, or I give them a toy to sit and play with so that they're already comfortable when I'm ready to go and start to treat. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I agree with that as well, Amanda. It works so well. And uh, surprisingly, kids like treatment. And mm-hmm. um, I've been pretty lucky where most of the kids I treat are very happy to lie down and just kind of give you that look the whole time. Like, what are you doing? This feels kind of weird or, you know, and often the parents will be like, oh, it's a little massage. How are you feeling? You know, does that feel okay? Depending on their age, kids think you're setting them up to tickle them. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like they've, they've been tricked before and they're not really sure. So oftentimes trying to get them to lay down on a table um, or put their arms over their head just doesn't work because they've been, They've been duped before and they don't want you to, they don't want it to happen again. So it does get pretty creative and look a little different. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, Very cool. Um, So looking at um, like maybe some advice you would give parents um, or some, if you could leave parents with one piece of advice for their children, whether that be a position that they, you might find or um, why they might want to bring their kid in, what would that be? So I would highly recommend that if your child has not had any um, manual assessment before to make sure their body is in full movement, I would highly recommend you bring them in um, to your local osteopath or if you have another practitioner you see that you're comfortable with. And again, we're not asking you to bring your child in every week for an endless amount of time. It's just for that initial checkup. So then we also, um, you know, as your healthcare team, we have a baseline to go from. So we know what your child's bodies look like, how it moves, clear up anything that might be going on. And um, usually there's a little bit. And if there's not much, that's perfect. I'll tell you, okay, bring them, you know, in a couple seasons changes or on the next big growth spurt. And often the child will start to learn that treatment is a very comfortable, relaxing place to be. So they will tell their parents when they're ready for treatment, right? They'll Mm -hmm. let their mom know my back's hurting. Okay, mom, we're on day three. My back still hurts. Like, can I get some treatment? So it's very cool to see that the children can start to pick up on body awareness, which to be honest, I feel like there is a um, big lack in body awareness for Uh, some parts of the population. So instilling that early in your children and just allowing them to know it's important to care for your health also creates really healthy habits for your family and for their life going forwards. What about you, Amanda? Awesome. Um, Yeah, I would just say from a movement standpoint, it is important from from a young age, um, talking about babies specifically, it's tummy time is super important. So if you aren't doing it already, you should be, um, practicing getting your kid to turn their head both ways. Um, and then the other thing is that it's really important for them to go through the stages of crawling, um, then standing, 
um, before walking. Um, so letting that happen. And then as they get older, kids often like to sit on the floor. So trying to avoid those W positions, um, but also getting them to get up and move around on a regular basis, especially right now, um, depending on where you are, um, lots of kids are sitting in front of a screen or sitting at a desk now with going back to school and some different COVID protocols um, don't allow for as much play as, as previous to now. So getting them out for a walk every day is super important. Yeah. Activity level is so important for your children. Um, if you're not active yourself, at least encourage your children to be active. Put them in groups if you can, sports, or encourage them to be outside playing with their friends and their safe bubble that you've created uh, just because that's what they need. That's what they're meant to do, right? Kids are meant to be free and play around and get every part of their body moving every day. Exactly. Awesome. Well, if there's not anything else that you want to add in, I think we're going to cut it there. So you can find us on Instagram at osteocast underscore, um, and you can check out our social media um, there for previous episodes and upcoming episodes. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, comments, um, or topics that you'd like to hear from us, please don't hesitate to reach out so we can answer those questions or um, make a podcast about that topic. Have a good day. Have a great day, guys. Bye.